Hello, everyone, and welcome to the 411 Ground and Pound MMA podcast, your mostly weekly look into the wide, wacky, wonderful world of mixed martial arts. Happy 2020. A little bit odd to say that as we are recording on the 12th of January, but everybody took the last couple of weeks off, it seems. There just hasn't been a lot of stuff to talk about. I mean, there was the Bellator and the Ryzen events, and... uh that Bellator event was only, like, its only notable thing was just how fat Quentin Rampage Jackson has become. I mean, that was shocking. Like, he looked like he did not train at all for that fight. Just not, not one single solitary hour spent in the gym. Uh, the rising half of that card and the one that followed it was okay, but again, nothing too notable coming out of it, at least from what I remember. Uh, so this is our first show of 2020. We are very happy you're all here. Thank you all again very much. Jeez, uh, I don't even want to think about how long I've been doing this show now. I was about to say, you know, this is how many years this has been, but uh, it's been a lot. So I'd rather not dwell on that. Uh, on the docket this evening, we have a preview of UFC 246, which will be coming everyone's way next Saturday. And should be, uh, yeah. As far as a fight card goes, it's a decent fight night card with a genuine pay-per-view main event. Uh, it's a safe main event, not a lot. Uh, I don't think Cerrone or McGregor have ever either pulled out of a fight. But if something happens to that main event, boy, that card is, there's not a lot of, it's not terrible, but there's not a lot of, like, really top-end meat on the bone. So we'll be going over that, and, of course, news over the last couple of weeks, such as it is. It's been pretty quiet. But back with me is my regular partner in crime, 411 Mania's jack-of-all-trades. Jeff Harris is here again. Jeff, how the heck are you? Hey, men out there supporting each other. I see you, and I like what I see. Keep it up. We will make cool things happen. Happy New Year, Robert Winfrey. I'm Jeffrey Harris. Yeah, that was certainly a thing, wasn't it? <laughs> yeah. First show of the year, though. Happy to be here. Thank you. And uh, right. it's been a bit, you know, you know, had a bit of a a holiday hiatus, and now we're we're back in the swing of things. So, yeah. Yeah, we're going to be in the swing of things for a while. It seems. Well, we've uh, had any like big events for a while, and I'm not counting Fat Fat Page. It was big though. Eh. <laughs> I, Rampage, you, you do not get to make it, uh, fun of anyone for their physique or, or or what was that guy on Ultimate Fighter, remember? Oh, Daryl uh, Schoonover, Schooner, something yeah. like that. It's it, yeah, yeah. We you don't get to make you, you don't get to use that card anymore, Rampage, sorry. Yeah, <laughs> but, that was yeah. uh <laughs> That that is not a an interaction that has aged well for Quentin. No, look, look, I'm not. Look, there's nothing wrong with Rampage getting fat and out of shape, but he probably shouldn't be fighting. You know. Yeah, like, I don't care what you do in your spare time, but if you get into the professional arena like that, I'm going to comment on your body. That's just how I mean, it goes. I mean, even if you're fighting an old and washed up Fedor, I just don't think it's a good idea. Uh, no, it wasn't. I mean, that was the first time Rampage had been stopped with punches in his entire career. Was it? 
Um, Shogun and Vanderlei both stopped him with knees and kicks more than anything okay, else. Okay. You you mean punches, not strikes? Yeah, straight okay. up punches. Okay. But yeah, uh, let's see. This card, yeah, I'm kind of with you there. There are some good. There are some good fights on here, though. To be perfectly honest, yeah, it's not the wor- This is not like the dirt worst card, but we're getting into UFC 246 it's- here. You, right, but I mean, it's Conor McGregor's first fight since the fight with Habib, which happened 2018 now, so it's his first fight in over a year. A little over, yeah, because that was, and what, November? A, right, and, and it's a fan-friendly fight that I think fans have wanted to see, you know, for a long time. Conor and Cerrone have, you know, they have a, there's a bit of history there, and I think, honestly... This fight makes sense in a lot of ways. Hey, yeah, for how many months have you and I been saying this is the fight Connor should come back to? Like, it's it makes sense. It makes less sense at welterweight, but the fight, the matchup itself well, makes sense. I mean, I'm I'm even fine with it happening. It, it, to me, it's just a fun catchweight fan fight, basically, and that makes sense to me. They're just not cutting weight. I don't really, I don't really care so much about that. Um, there's nothing on the line here. It's not, no matter, I mean, no. Do I think this should be a title eliminator? No, especially for Connor. But I have no problem with this fight being contested at welterweight. You know, make it a little easier for the guys. They're putting on a fight for the fans. Let them have fun. Cerrone deserves this fight just for, and I hope he's, I hope, here in his management did something so he's getting paid out well well here because he definitely deserves that because he's put it on i mean you know the ufc has made him a big star but he's put it on the line for the ufc a lot as well i wouldn't say they've made him a big star but yeah they've put more effort behind him than a lot of other people right i i don't know i'm just not sure that maybe this is me not you know having a tremendous amount of okay me living in the bubble too much, not just the MMA bubble, but my personal bubble. Sure. I'm not sure how much Cerrone is, you know, a big star. I mean, if he beats Connor, if he beats Connor here, absolutely he will be. Look, there are different levels of stardom. I'd True. say Cerrone is, you know, he's maybe not a top paper. To me, I don't necessarily define stardom by like how many pay per views you can sell. It's like how much interest you can draw on a fight your social media presence, um, and TV ratings. And Cerrone's, Cerrone's a battle-tested veteran, and he's been fighting in the UFC, let's see, going back to... Do, 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 a lot of years. 2011. So June 2011 was his... Uh, excuse me, February 2011. So this will be just under nine years for him. Yep. So, and even further going back to his uh, WEC days, he made his WEC debut in, in 2007. And Cerrone's, how old is Cerrone? And he's 36 now. So, you know, spent most of his adult life uh, fighting for Zufa, WEC UFC. So, I hope he's getting. I hope he's getting paid well here. I don't know what the fight salaries are like for this. Uh, we will after the fact, hopefully. Right. I doubt he's getting pay-per-view buys, but I hope he's getting, like, I hope they're giving him a little extra juice here. You know what I mean? 
Uh, I would almost bet money he's going to make less than a million dollars for this. Which is a crying shame, by the way. I mean... I, I think he does. I mean, I think he deserves more, but I don't oh, yeah. know. Yeah, he absolutely does. Maybe yep. he doesn't deserve pay-per-view buys, but I would say, like, give him, like, a $2 million payout for this fight, you know? Hey, I hope even he gets it. Even if, even if you're booking this fight, you got to think, from some on some level, the UFC is just hoping to bring Conor back and give Conor an impressive win. Right, Robert? Logically, yes, especially the way Dana's been talking lately. I mean, somebody I, somebody asked him right. recently about because you know, we've got Connor and Khabib on the schedule again, or yeah. not Connor and Khabib, excuse me, Tony and Khabib. Okay. And given that that fight has fallen through four different times, uh, somebody I believe someone asked him about you know who would be the backup for that fight if something goes wrong, and I think he said Connor. Right. So the UFC is clearly angling McGregor back towards. A title pick backs towards you know the title picture as a position it's of prominence. It's Conor, I don't like it, but it's Conor McGregor. I don't like it either, but again, there's the man does too much business for the traditional rules and procedures to apply well, like to people him. People on the internet will whine about it and then they'll watch it anyway. Like Ariel Hawani will complain about it and criticize it, and then he'll and then and then in the, in the next moment he'll verbally fillet Conor McGregor because that's what he does. And don't deny it. I'm not going to go out of my way to stand up for a lot of other people. <laughs> you know, but you know people do that. I'm sure they do. People do a lot of really stupid things. And I'm not saying Errol Hawani's a bad reporter, but like sometimes he just he kind of, you know, plays both sides of the fence like that. Again, I don't like it, but you can justify it from the sense it's Conor McGregor. He's... One of the top draws in the sport. The top draw. I, I Until there's evidence to the contrary, I feel okay giving him the spot as the biggest draw yeah. and attraction in the sport. He is, he is, the, he is the top draw in the, in the sport, despite how inactive he is. It, so yeah, and I, UFC, say with, I say it with caveats. But yeah, UFC 246 might provide evidence to the contrary, at which point we can reassess. But as, we, as things stand now. Like it, but he's the top draw in the sport. It is what it is. Um, Cerrone dessert. But if the idea is give Conor McGregor an impressive win, I would give Cerrone a small fortune for that because I believe it's worth that. And they can afford And you know they can afford it. I, of course they can. Like, the, the way the UFC operates, and I don't want to get on a tangent or on my high horse here, but... No, fighters are paid significantly less than they should be based on every right. appreciable metric. Okay. I mean, each fighter on the UFC roster should be getting about $260,000 a year more than they are, just as what would be the normal fee for athletes on television in any other sport. Like, not just, not collectively for the group, each individual fighter if you break up half of the television of the ESPN television deal, which was what four billion dollars, I think. If you break that up over the say six hundred fighters in the UFC, that's about two hundred and fifty thousand per fighter per year for however many years the deal runs. 
Okay, so here's what I'm reading for the disclosed payout for Cerrone's last fight against Justin Gagey was $195,000. That's disclosed. So he might have he might have like signing bonuses and other stuff going on, but I don't know. I don't know. Like for this fight, I would say give him a you know give him a small fortune is what I would say. Hey, I again, I think he deserves it. I think all of the fighters deserve more than they're getting. But that's uh, again, that's. That's on them. This fight because Cerrone has a reputation of being a fan favorite, a fan friendly fighter, and you're marketing it based on that. Even though, even though Conor McGregor, you know, you can sell a fight around him, you can't undersell Cerrone. Now, all that being said, on an emotional level, I am rooting for Donald Cerrone. He's my fighter in the UFC. Do I think he's going to win this fight? No. So yeah, he's not always the smartest fighter. He's a slow starter. Um, is he a better grappler? Uh, uh, better takedown artist than McGregor? Arguably, yes, I would say so. Better submissions than McGregor? Yes. Um, I think McGregor, arguably a better striker, I would say, has more knockout power. Um Obviously, you know, they're fighting at 170, so there's that. But I don't know. I'm just, from a stylistic, technical standpoint, I'm picking McGregor. Uh, Ditto. There's a few things that have always given Donald Cerrone problems. One is pressure. Be that physical or mental, and I'll speak to the physical here for the moment. Cerrone's not good backing up. While Conor McGregor is a counter-striker, he's... A very forward heavy counter striker, if that makes any sense. Some, it makes some sense. well, yeah, some counter fighters are happy to back up and circle away as a means of drawing you in. Someone like Leoto Machida does that a lot, Stephen Thompson. Uh, McGregor prefers to move forward and pressure you, and then you either run into the fence and run out of options, and then he starts hitting you, or you open up and he finds a way to counter you. Cerrone's always struggled with body work. I know everyone falls in love with McGregor's left hand because that's what he gets a lot of his knockouts with. But McGregor's most important weapon, actually, I shouldn't say most important, slightly more foundational to his success is his ability to steer you with his kicking game. And amongst his favorite kicks, especially when fighting an opposite stance fighter, is the front kick to the body. He... Uh, slammed that into Chad Mendez multiple times en route to stopping him. He steered Max Holloway around with that when they fought. I mean, that, that's so many years ago. You can question how useful the footage is, but it was still something he did. Against Nate Diaz, he made greater use of leg kicks because they were both fighting southpaw, and that closes off that kick a little bit, so he adapted. He threw it at Khabib a handful of times, but he got so smothered the first two rounds that by the time he got around exclusively on the feet, he was kind of gassed. But he he likes that kick, and with good reason. It's a good kick. And Cerrone struggled with body work. Cerrone struggles in high-pressure situations, and I mean that beyond the physical pressure. I, I, I don't know a fight fan who doesn't deeply admire Donald Cerrone's legacy, his body of work, or get excited when he fights. Sometimes he doesn't, though. You know? Well, 
I mean this in all seriousness. What was the last big fight Cerrone was in that he won? Ally, Ally, Ally Kenta. Okay, so a a main event. Hang on, we won over five rounds. That's a main event, but what was on the line? I mean, that was. Uh, it's a main event fight. It's not nothing. I'm not saying that, I but mean, they were two top at the time. They were probably two top ranked lightweights. And they're both they're both ranked, but. Uh, I would, but you know, the Justin Gagey fight lost Tony Ferguson. I mean, if he'd won that Ferguson fight in theory, that's huge for him. Lost, uh, a rebound fight. At, he won the uh, first round of that fight, as I recall. The Ferguson fight. Did he? I gave it to Ferguson. I don't know what anyone else did. It was a competitive fight. It was right. The first round was competitive. It wasn't a blowout. And he took that fight. He also took that fight. On very short notice, too. Very I think they, they made it late for that fight, didn't exactly. they? That was the kind of the thing? Yeah. Uh, I mean, his lightweight title shot against RDA, lost. But the, the, a, but the Ferguson fight was not even uh, a confirmed title eliminator, really. No, but if he, I mean, imagine if he'd beaten Tony Ferguson. Like, come on, it's Cowboy, and if he's the one that stops the boogeyman like that? That's Tony Ferguson, though. Uh, Ferguson is my lightweight goat, and he's to me he's the he's the anointed next champion who's going to beat Habib. So that's very he very well might. That's my point is that's how highly I think of Tony Ferguson. Sure, I'm not dismissing Tony Ferguson, but that was a big moment for Cerrone. Ferguson is a bad matchup for pretty much this entire division, and this is one of the most competitive, bloodiest divisions in the world. Um, in the sport, I mean, he gets a main ev- he gets a main event slot against Darren Till gets finished. But my point is, Cerrone has had performances where he has risen to the occasion, and he has overcome his mental roadblocks and look good. It's just few and far between, <laughs> and the and few, few, but it happens. It happens frequently throughout his career. And that's and, kind of why I never predict him to win the title when he's fought for the title. And I, I think perhaps more drastically with Cerrone, his tendency to choke, and I don't, I say choke and just in the sense that I mean lose, not in the sense that he completely falls apart necessarily. But the more, the higher the stakes, the bigger the tendency there is for him to not right. perform. Like the, the Anthony Pettis fight, uh... When did he fight Pettis? Uh, it was some uh, 2013. Oh yeah, he did. Yeah, and Pettis stopped him with that body kick. Okay, now I remember that. Um, Again, the Dos Anjos fight, the Masvidal fight, the Lawler fight, the Till fight, uh, the Edwards fight. That uh, was the main event. Back to WEC, the second fight with Benson Henderson. Yeah. Just and we got choked out in two minutes. Um, it's I. I, I don't know anyone who doesn't respect Cowboy. I certainly do. But the higher the stakes, the greater the odds are that he's not going that to rise said, to the occasion. That said, it, I think Cerrone has ways he can win this fight. If he, if he were to come, with, come in with a game plan, fight smart, and not get overwhelmed by, Conor, by being in there with Conor McGregor. Yeah, this is. I think that's one of the things that makes this fight so uh, the correct fight to make. It's very winnable for McGregor. 
But if Donald does buck the trend, and if he does score the big win, I mean, you have the feel-good moment of all feel-good moments. If Donald Cerrone stops Conor McGregor, I mean, come on. I'd almost want Cerrone to retire on that. If you were writing a movie script, yeah, like that would be hypothetically, it. hypothetically, you know, if he were to beat McGregor, he's 36 years old. He, he already has all these records. He, he's one of the most popular fighters in the UFC. And I just don't ever see him getting to that level where he has just all those sort of perfect moments where he can finally make it to the top of the mountain and win the title. But there's no shame in that. You know, you, to me, you can have success without ever becoming a champion, you know? You can. And Cerrone has done an exceptional job of carving out a legacy independent of the title. And it is somewhat unfortunate for him, but... I mean, look at the champion. Like, he already lost to both Tony and Justin Gagey. Would mm-hmm. you really favor him to beat Khabib if that were the fight to get made? And if he, st- no, even if he, st- mean, if he sticks he it well to... He has a better chance of beating McGregor than Khabib. Like, I would only... I would, I, like, 10 times out of 10, I would never pick him to beat. I don't know. I, I just would never... Naturally, and you know I love Cerrone. I would never I naturally pick him to be Habib, just because I just don't see it. And you know, imagine he sticks around at welterweight. Does, do you give him almost any shot at all against Kamaru Usman? Not at all. And again, you and I both—I've seen too many Cerrone fights not to you know deeply admire, respect, and be a fan of, of the crazy, guy. And we've seen plenty of crazy, unpredictable upsets in this sport. Even also taking true. all that into account. Would never pick him to beat Usman or Habib. Yeah, I and even if Khabib loses the title to one of the two obvious choices, that being you know, either Gaethje or Ferguson, I wouldn't pick Cerrone over either of them. I mean, not only has he already lost to them, I just don't think those are winnable fights for him. Yeah. Uh, and it it on a purely like emotional level, it sucks. Yeah, but on an emotional level, I'm rooting for Cerrone, and I would say Cerrone win this fight. And then retire, and then retire right off into the sunset with your family, and then go do like your, you know, live on your ranch. Maybe you can you can still train fighters on your ranch. Do your extreme, do your water skiing, you know, what you know, your diving, have fun. I would love for that. I part of me would love for that to happen, but I also feel like Cerrone's the kind of guy who is going to fight into his fifties. You know. <laughs> Like he's just—he's not going to stop until he is medically forced to stop. Right. It, it's just too much of part of who he is. I—I I, I get that, but in some ways, I feel like a hypothetical win over Cerrone is like a—it's not a title win, but it's almost like a career achievement title. That—that that would be if he wins this fight. That is the biggest win of his career, and is probably an—it is probably the biggest moment of his career because he's he, already. He already got knocked out Masvidal, so he's not winning the BMF title. <laughs> he's not going to become the BFM, BMF. BMF uh, title is not a thing. He's got the BMF ranch. He doesn't need the title. <laughs> he's not winning the silver belt. For, for the record, that is the name of his ranch, though. So he's already got there it. Go. There you go. 
it, anyway, it's it's the right fight to make for all parties. It's a big opportunity for Cerrone. It's a high profile, winnable fight for McGregor. Neither man has had. I mean, I don't think either man's ever had a really boring fight. Certainly in the last little bit. So, I'm picking McGregor. Well, here's the other issue, McGregor. Cerrone's been act. I mean, Cerrone's lost his last couple fights, but he's been active. Uh, McGregor has not. Not to mention, McGregor is a freaking. His life is a dumpster fire right now. Let's be honest. Um, he's being investigated for sexual assault. He's got yeah. all these losses. Some of you know some of which he's resolved. Granted, and um, he hasn't been arrested or charged with anything. At the moment, but, the allegations are just allegations. That's true. Yeah. But my point is, it's like, it, it's starting to remind me of John Jones not long ago, really, with McGregor. Um, now, granted, it looks, like he, it, it looks like he has been training regularly for the last year. And it looks like he's in shape. Um, at least on a superficial perspective. It does look like he's training and in shape for this fight. You, would you agree? Yeah, I'm a little bit. Wor- there was something that John Kavanaugh said about the way he's training for this camp that actually that worries me a little bit. But well, and what was that? Uh, the essence of the quote was that McGregor is running his his own camp, oh. which is always a little bit of a dicey proposition. I mean, that's that could be a valid point. Um, and, and it, I mean, may, again, maybe nothing comes of it, but. McGregor, McGregor has always kind of had like these kind of weird things. Like, who was um? He had that movement coach. Who was he called? Was it Ito? Something or other. Ito Portal, something like that. Yeah, that sounds right. The Isra- who's like the pool noodle guy. I want to say, I believe it was Ito Ito Portal. Yeah, I'm pretty sure that's right. Is the guy who worked? Yeah, the his movement coach. And the, now this was when Connor was on top and the double champion, you know. And you hear, so at the time when you hear the Ito Portal stuff, you know, you know, which uh, Nate Diaz was calling touch butt in the park and all that, like it almost set, like it sounds weird and obscure, but it makes Connor look like this sort of outside the box genius. But then you know. Is this really is this really some sort of genius outside the box method or is it like snake oil science? I don't know. Is it broke science? I don't know. It's MMA, the so there's a good chance. I don't, it's about it's about a coin flip actually, depending right. on right. the personalities involved. Um, I get the sense that Connor's in shape, but in in you know he he made all the. And it annoys me that he makes all, all those excuses for the Habib fight. My foot was a balloon, all that. I won. He's saying he won the first round, da da da, whatever. Huh? He didn't. He No, he definitely didn't. And then, Not even close. And then I, I recall he got smashed and knocked down by Habib at one point. And he got dropped in the second, yeah. Right. Now, did Connor arguably win the f- third round? Yes, but it wasn't like... He won the third. Yeah, he won the third, but it wasn't like it, it, it wasn't like it didn't look like Habib was in trouble in the third. You know Not what really. I mean? Yeah, so, he was he was never in real danger. Yeah. So 
going to go ahead and pick McGregor, but I'm emotionally rooting for Cerrone. That's just I, where I am. Right I will at. say this. Uh, this has long been noted about Connor. The first round is his best round. If this goes past, say, the eight-minute mark, that's when I start to favor Cerrone. Uh, but, so again, the longer this goes, the more things might tip towards okay. Cerrone's butt. One thing I would say, in 2016, he did win a, a decision rematch against Nate Diaz that went all five rounds. So Yeah. You can't completely discount that. No, but I don't think Connor's ever scored a finish outside of the first two rounds. Let me see. Um, there's He has some weird stat like that. Um, right? Yeah. I mean, his fights rarely get out of, like, the second... His fights really get out of the second, honestly. True, and it, I'm not so, saying it's easy to do. Like, like, let's okay. So he knocked out. This is let's go back his his UFC catalog. Marcus Brimage knockout in the first. Max Holloway decision win. Diego Brandao first round knockout. Poirier first round knockout. Siver second round knockout. Mendes uh, second round knockout. Aldo first round knockout. Diaz submitted in the second round. Diaz by decision. Eddie Alvarez second round knockout. So, he, I'm not saying he, he never wins longer than that, but he never finishes longer than that. He really, so he really goes past the second round, is what I'm seeing here. Yeah, it, it's again, it's not an easy thing to force him to to fight beyond that scope of time. I'm not saying it is, but it's something to pay attention to. Yeah. So anyway, good main event. Um, he does fight, and he does tend to fight with his chin. He fights with his chin, and he look—he just that he gasses. Fight, fight you. I mean, look, the longer the fight goes, the less dangerous Connor is, as a general rule. Like you, now, granted, he was—he was far more technical in the rematch with um, Nate Diaz, and he kind of close some of those things up but I, I think we can move on to the next fight now what do you think yeah um again there's some decent fights on the rest of this card but they're kind of spread out uh your co-main event is a rematch between holly holm and raquel pennington um i i don't know nor care about this fight in all honesty um because holm took their first their first fight via split decision. Um, Pennington had one fight after. Uh, yeah, she lost to Nunes and then Durandamy and then came back. Uh, the Aldana fight wasn't uh, wasn't a great showing for her, but she did win. I don't know. Uh, I expect this fight not to be very good more than anything else. I gun to my head. I'll probably lean towards Holly, but. Eh, I again, I don't really know or care. I don't think this is a very relevant fight. This would not actually be my choice for the co-main event for this card. All right, Jeff, anything you want to say about that one? A very non-emphatic Holly Holm decision victory. Sounds about right. Uh, we have a heavyweight fight. Alexi Olenek will fight Maurice Green. Um, 
I don't know about this one. Olenek's on a two-fight losing streak, but both of those were those were to Walt Harris and Alistair Overeem. And Green is a little bit, pardon the pun, Green. Uh, Green got stopped by Sergei Pavlovich in his last fight. I'll go with Olenek, but I'm not sold on that at all. Uh, Jeff, do you have what are your thoughts on the heavyweights? God help us if this gets out of the first round. That's my prediction. Uh, you are not wrong. Uh, the first of our action, apart from the main event, the other two pretty good fights on the main card here. We have Claudia Gadelia and Alexa Grasso. Uh, this is a relevant fight for Strawweight. I know that uh, we have the scheduled title fight between Zhang Wilei and champion. Zhang Wile and Ioana uh, Janjacek. The UFC announced this week that they're having the rematch between Rose Namajunas and Jessica Andrade, which is a good fight. So while the winner of this is probably not the you know, the next challenger, they're going to be you know kind of in the discussion. Grosso's coming off of a majority decision lost Carlos Barza. Uh, I was okay with the draw. Uh, sorry, I. Esparza should not have won that fight. I actually had it a draw, which I think is m- the more correct scoring. This is a good fight, actually. I oh, think. yeah, this is this is a relevant fight. It's a good fight on paper. Um, Gedalia's coming off a win over Random Marcos. I'm kind of leaning towards Gedalia here. Uh, I like Grosso, but Gedalia. I don't know. Gedalia gas is so hard, though. I'm I'm still going with Gedalia, but uh, if Grosso can pull off this win, that would be a big win for her career. But I'm leaning towards Gedalia. She's just, I think, a bit more proven at this point. I'm also picking Gedalia. I just think she's more well-rounded, more ways to win than Grosso, more experienced. Um, I think Grosso is decent. I just don't see her beating Gedalia, I think. Gedalia just, she's a better grappler, I think a better striker, kickboxer. Um, yeah. Right, next, yeah, kicking off the main card, we have probably the second best fight on this entire card behind the main event. Anthony Pettis is fighting Carlos Diego Fajaya. Fajaya had one of the oddest career turnarounds. Um, he had a good run going. For a while, then he loses in back-to-back fights, uh, loses a decision to Benil Darius, gets knocked out by Dustin Poirier. Uh, takes like, all... for two years. Yeah, he was gone for a long time. Two years, over two but, years. But since then, has finished two guys, and in his last two fights, decisioned Rustam Kabilov and Mirbek Tysimov. Uh, he's he's on a five-fight pre- winning other than that, he missed weight in one fight. He's on a five-fight winning streak. Yeah, he missed for the Kabilov fight. Right. He took that on short notice. Kabilov is, is a fairly decent, underrated fighter, I think, who's fought in the UFC for a long time. Yeah, is no joke. And Pettis is coming off of the loss to Nate Diaz. Like, that was Kabilov's, that was only Kabilov's third loss of his UFC career. Yeah, he doesn't lose a whole lot. <laughs> So, yeah, Pettis has been trading wins and losses for the last, jeez, last three to four okay, years. So Pettis returning the lightweight here. Interesting. 
Uh, well, the Diaz fight was... Was the Diaz fight at welterweight? I, I, think so. I think it was. Yeah, that was at welterweight. It was at welterweight. Um, so, back at lightweight here. I'm picking Fajaya. I'm kind of leaning towards Fajaya, too. Look, I like I like Pettis, and I've always liked Pettis, but look at his, look at his career. Uh, look at his... He's trading wins and losses. At one point, he went 0-3, and, and then he's been trading wins and losses since then. He's... Ever since he lost the title, Robert, he's had a fairly underwhelming run. Um, yeah, it it feels like the sport caught up to him, and he just hasn't adjusted to peaked, it. He peaked, he, peaked, he peaked, but he peaked very, very early in his career. And in fairness, he peaked spectacularly. <laughs> right. I mean, look, he did he did great things. He he's he's arguably he's had a very successful career, and he has nothing to be ashamed of. If he were to retire tomorrow. But I think Fajaya is, let's see, Fajaya is a very good grappler. And I, I feel like he ha, he's well-rounded and I think he can give Pettis problems. And Pettis, Pettis tends, he's a counter-striker. And if he can't find his rhythm, he looks absolutely lost. If he can't get his timing down, he doesn't know what to do anymore. And I've seen it and I've seen it from him far more a lot in the last five years. Yeah. His conditioning over the last few years has also not been the best. Uh, he, he really just, uh, the longer the fight goes, the more he kind of winds up just absorbing volume punishment from his and, opponents. And going back to the, to the Bart, Bart Palaszewski really laid down the br- blueprint to beat, uh, Pettis, you just gotta. It's just forward pressure. Yeah, and but, I, I think if Fahea, if Fahea, yeah. you know, kind of does the RDA thing, uh, he yeah. this is a very winnable fight for him. Just keep, just keep moving forward, get in his face. Don't let him, don't let him find range. Don't let him uh, get in kickboxing range and find his rhythm and make him work the whole time. Yeah. And that fight uh, was back in. I was there live for that fight. That fight was back in 2009. So it was, yeah, it was just over, damn, just over 10 years ago. Um, Time flies. <laughs> yeah. You know, if Fahea wins this fight, give that man somebody near the top of that division. Like, give, mean, give him uh, maybe the maybe a rematch with Poirier kind of thing. But yeah, he has had sort of odd career track where he came in undefeated, had a couple impressive wins over some names from the Ultimate Fighter, then had some setbacks, and then had that really long layoff. But now he's looking really good. So he was dealing with some gnarly. Uh, there was an article I forget how long ago this was, uh, it, not more than like four months, I think. But he actually opened up a little bit about just the constant string of injuries and infections he was dealing with over that time period. And it's, it's, uh, that's a brutal thing to have to go through. Those can be fatal. I mean, um, I mean, junior dos Santos, uh, very recently mentioned that he waited so long to get that infection in his leg treated that he came closer to losing the leg than he would have liked. Same with Volkanovsky. Uh, like he was, he came real close. He just won the title. 
Um, imagine that, imagine that alternate reality though, where his foot has to be amputated and that. That's crazy. That, and, but not, yeah, again, man, just you know, but believe in it or 2019 not, beat Aldo and Holloway. Apparently, there are there, contrary to what you would think, there are some good hospitals and doctors and medicine in South America. So glad they took care of him down there. Um, Fajaya. They were in Chile for that, right? Yeah, I think I think it was Chile where he got fixed up. Um, for Fajaya, he's a 2009 uh, Pan American Jiu Jitsu bronze medalist. So we know ha- he has a sound gra- grappling background, and he's I think he's really he's developing as an ultimate uh, as a as an MMA fighter, even though he's had these setbacks. So it's just. My problem with Pettis Robert is he's too inconsistent these days. He, I mean, he's consistently inconsistent, as yeah. the joke goes. Yep. That said, if he does stick to his inconsistencies, he'll win this fight. <laughs> if he's sticking to the pattern. But I, I think Fajaya's, he knows what an opportunity this is. I think he's going to pull this one out. Uh, anyway, that is the main card. And again... Gadelian Grasso's not a bad fight. Pettis and Fahey is really good. McGregor and Cerrone is really good. Um, as for the rest of this card, uh, Roxanne Modafferi will fight Macy Barber. Um, Roxanne Modafferi is like one of the genuinely nicest human beings in the sport, and the sport does not deserve nice people in it. Uh, this, The UFC's kind of high on Barber, and they're kind of pushing her towards... Not into the title scene immediately, but they are grooming her for that, I think. And in fairness to her, she's performed in big spots. So I'm leaning towards Barber here. Look, Robert, I mean, nothing against Roxanne Modafferi, but is she really a UFC caliber fighter? At women's flyweight, yes. Just because the division is what it is. But it's a margin call. I mean, hang on. She is an exceptionally nice woman, and I want good things to happen to her. But, I mean, her title fight would be, I mean, like the fact that she found herself in a, a title fight, even that was basically like a gift, basically. It was circumstance that played in her favor because she was not originally part of that fight. But even even being in that fight, she had nothing for Montagna. Very little, yeah. As much as you want her to be this sort of conquering underdog who conquers all odds, she doesn't do that. Not really, no. <laughs> um, at featherweight, Andre Feely and Sadiq Youssef. This is a really good fight, actually. Um. Yusuf is undefeated, I believe. I know he, ha- yeah, I know not undefeated, but he hasn't lost in the UFC. Uh, finished Gabriel Benitez in his last fight. Uh, Yusuf's kind of the real deal, but Andre Feely's a very stiff test. Uh, Feely's on a two-fight winning streak. He's four and one in his last five, and that split decision loss to Michael Johnson. Look, the fight sucked. It's a terrible fight, but could have gone his way, and he could be on a. Five fight winning streak. So this is this is a good fight. I'm actually leaning towards Yusuf. Uh, Feely struggles a bit with guys who have fast hands and are powerful punchers, and Yusuf checks both of those boxes. 
but that's that's a pretty solid fight. Uh, lightweight Drew Dober and Nazrat Hakparast. I'm leaning towards Hakparast because Drew Dober is Drew Dober. Um, at featherweight, Chaz Skelly and Grant Dawson are going to fight. Um, boy, Chaz Skelly's had a weird UFC career. Just a really weird one. Probably lean towards Skelly there, but uh, that's a bit iffy. And then our early prelims. UFC debutante Alexa Kamer will fight Justin Ledet at light heavyweight. Boy, Ledet's in kind of a do-or-die position here. He was the third fight on this card. Yes, you do. Um, Tim Elliott will fight Askar Askarov. Hey, do you want to know something depressing about the state of flyweight in the UFC right now, Jeff? What's that? In the calendar year of 2019... Do you know how many men's flyweight fights were on the main card of any events? Zero? More than zero. Because we had the, uh, we had, last year was the first Cejudo-Dillashaw fight, right? That's correct. They had, so how many? One? They had five. Okay. They had a grand total of five. And only one had, only one was the main event then, right? Yes. Okay. And not just main event. Like, just, I don't mean main. I mean appearing on the main card. Five. Five all year. And, if you and- if you assume, say, forty-five. Uh, excuse me, not forty-five. Forty some odd events a year. Five to six fights per main card. Feel free to do the math on that. There were five well, men flyweights fights on main so cards. This fight's not on the main card. This fight's on the fight pass prelims. They've already stripped Cejudo of the flyweight title. What are the chances they just cut bait on the flyweight title already and don't even continue it? They've signed Benavidez and Figueredo to fight for the vacant belt. I think think if something happens to either of those men in the build-up to that fight, they will probably cut it. I think if that fight does not end definitively... If we get like a draw or a no contest for that fight, they will cut bait. Didn't they? Now, didn't something similar happen years ago with Penn and uh, yeah, with light, lightweight actually. Um, right after Jens Pulver left the UFC, they had a rematch between BJ Penn and Kaul Uno for the vacant lightweight title. That uh, went draw? went to a draw. Yeah. At which point the UFC threw up their hands and said, "Fine, no more lightweight title," and that stuck. And that policy stuck around for a few years so there is a flyweight title fight scheduled with benavides and figueroa i'm almost concerned they're just going to cut bait on the flyweight title and just drop it and say we dropped i it's a real concern and i say this not and look of the uh, other thing about those five fights from last year one of them was the title fight between cejudo and dillashaw right of the other four fights uh, two of them were featured Joseph Benavides. There is zero effort being made to build that division. That's I, I really want to see Benavides win it, win the title. I mean, the UFC only had to actively get rid of Demetrius Johnson, move up Henry Cejudo, and then give him a favorable stylistic matchup. But yeah, he's probably going to win. I mean, I don't know if he can do it, 
But he like, look, if Juice, he's going to do what Juicy Formiga did to Davidson Figueroa, and that will be but, successful. But I like Benavides so much, and like you know, I don't have anything. I mean, I don't have anything against the guy. He thinks he he kind of could have won that fight against Cruz in the rematch, but whatever. I've always I've always thought very highly of Benavides. He's a really good fighter. I mean, for a long time, he was technically speaking the best guy out of that gym. Yeah. Um, uh, so anyway, Tim Elliott and Askar Askarov, continuing the proud tradition of men's flyweight fights being on the fight pass prelims. Yeah. I kind of don't hate Askarov's chances here. I'm picking Elliott, but Askarov might surprise some people. I mean, I like Tim Elliott, too, for that matter. Uh, we have Brian Kelleher back in action as he fights Odie Osborne. Uh, probably lean towards Kelleher. And then kicking everything off, we have a women's flyweight fight between Sabina Mazzo and J.J. Aldrich. Probably go with J.J. Aldrich there. Um, Mazzo's relatively unimpressive. Um, you mentioned that there's 13 fights on this card. And I think there's. I, we're probably going to wind up seeing more of that. And I... I mentioned this for a, a very specific reason. Um, you and I in particular, and a lot of the MMA fan base more generally, for the last few years have complained about the number of events, and just a lot of them. The UFC runs almost one event a week. If they scale that back, they're going to wind up having longer fight cards when they do produce them because they still have 600 fighters on roster that they have to give fights to. So we might see fewer events per year, but they're going to be more likely to be 13 to 14 fight events. So I'm saying if we get the less overall events, we're get, there's going to be a trade-off in length of events that do happen. I just don't... I'm not crazy about 13. Like, Neither am I. 10, I is a, like, 10 itself is a lot. Hey, look, I don't enjoy, I hate to say it this way, I don't really like the fact that when I do coverage, I block out seven hours of my day. I know, now, that's not the totality of the I event. Mean, I, understand, I can understand that. I mean, it's but a, that's the amount of time you have to block out. Right. The, I mean, they average six hours, and they can go longer. Now, I mean, even when I was cut, when I was doing lo- when I was doing live coverage and I was going to the events live, like, you know, well, that's an all day affair. I almost right, right, that. right. But like, even at that point, the events were the cards themselves were not as long as they are now. Like we had the pay-per-view. We we would have maybe a broadcast set of prelims and maybe two more like Facebook prelims at that time. Now it's fight pass uh, ESPN or ESPN two. And then the main card. I mean, it's a lot. It's a lot. The event, yeah, these are long events. Now, I don't mind. Now, now, granted, I don't mind watching. I like watching fights, so I don't mind watching fights for a few hours. But like, you know, it can get, I, it can get tedious because sometimes, because for any fight, Robert, there's basically a fifty-fifty chance of a fight going to decision. So that means you. It can get tedious. It's actually, it's actually uh, higher than that. It's it, it's probably slightly higher for decision, right? 
Yeah, uh, some of that will vary by weight okay. class. I mean, like last year, for example, uh, credit to the guy on Twitter, uh, M- MJC Flip Descript, I think it is, or MCJ. Uh, you'll see him if you follow enough MMA. He do- he's uh, one of the statistical guys for the UFC. He puts out a lot of their stats. Um, in the middleweight division, for example, last year, I think less than 20% or less than 30% for sure of middleweight fights ended via some form of finish in all of 2019. So my point is, when you watch that many decisions back-to-back, and if they start happening back-to-back, it can get tedious. I totally understand that. So um, best of luck to you. Hey, I always hope that the event is good. I always do, and I always want it to be awesome. I just will never... That's the fact that I want it to be better doesn't mean it's going to be better, and it doesn't mean I'm going to refrain from saying I think it looks iffy on paper. So we have this event, then Blades versus Santos a week later. Yep, they're in Raleigh for that, I believe. And then, and then the Jones uh, Reyes fight is two weeks later, so we get a bit of a cushion there. Yeah, there's only they're doing. Uh, I think for the first quarter thus far of 2020, they have a, announced more like three event months than four event months. I'm glad. I'm glad we had a bit of a break before this fight. They kind of let us, even though there's 13 fights here, they kind of let us ease into it. Agreed. Uh, all right. As for news, um, again, I think I mentioned a little bit earlier, but worth touching on again. Uh, the UFC announced the rematch between former champions Jessica Andrade and Rose Namajunas to, to take place at UFC 249. That is the Tony and Khabib card. Uh, it's a good fight. It was a good fight the first time around. It's I'm okay with this being. I'm okay with the rematch. I'm okay with the matchup. Uh, I I mean. Rose had a great first round the first time, and then Jessica started getting to her and then, of course, finished her dramatically with that slam. I get the sense that Rose is not much longer for her fight career, just based on recent things she said and where, you know, where she's been at mentally in the past, but we'll see. I mean, you can't, I can't count her out 100%, but it's a good fight. Uh, I suppose the other thing that I... Might be of that might have been newsworthy over the last little bit. Um, Mike Perry uh, continues to be Mike Perry, I guess. Uh, he's been beefing with on Twitter with uh, the actor Michael Jai White. Oh, um, I just I literally just looked this up. Yeah, not a good look for Perry. <laughs> but Mike Perry yeah. is Mike Perry. This happened five days ago. What is and I'm sorry I'm asking this is what ethnicity is Mike Perry? He's white. Is he? He's, he's Caucasian. Well, um, I, he had because sometimes I, he, I I think he I took one of those who look Caucasian and they're technically not. I think he took one of those like DNA tests that said he had he was some like. He was more like he had more African ancestry than like Elizabeth Warren has Native American ancestry, but it was still very low. I mean, is that why he thought he was okay to say that? (laughs) Apparently. (laughs) I mean, look, Ice Cube says that's their word. I'm not going to argue with Ice Cube. I that's one of those words that I do not 
honestly, off the top of my head, I cannot recall ever having used in in public or in private in my personal life. I just I don't say it. I'm not comfortable with it. I mean, I um I don't even quote. I, I'm not actually, saying you should get fired, but like you know. You know, it, it is an it is an odd thing that MMA is. Why is he beefing with Michael J. White? Apparently, White said some uh, derogatory things about Kimbo Slice. Okay. And Perry took okay. exception to that. Was Perry friends with Kimbo Slice, or is he friends with his family? I don't know. Like, <laughs> it, it would. I'll say it this way: it wouldn't surprise me if they were, but I don't know. I mean, I would have at least deleted that tweet. You'd think, but... Uh, it's still, the tweet is still up there. Yes, no it is. It? I I don't know. I mean... Do you, report, do you want to report this tweet, Robert? No, I... I don't care. Robert, Mike, are you Mike Perry wants to torpedo himself professionally and socially like this. You know, that's on him, man. I don't care. I mean... I'm not going to report I, it. It's I mean, not, it doesn't offend me. Mike Perry is not, does not have... Do you think he even has two brain cells to rub together? I'm not yes, even... Yes, but I'm not entirely sure he could, like, pat his head and rub his stomach at the same time. I mean, I, look, he's, he's just Florida, I'm man. I'm not trying to be a jerk, but, like, I don't get the sense that he's, like, the sharpest tool in the shed. But whatever. I, you are probably correct with that. Um, hang on. Has how have we not had? Okay, this has not been. Hang on. Not how have, I imagine there's a lot of people not happy about it. She's vocally not happy about it. How have we not had a fight between Nico Price and Mike Perry for the official title of Florida Man? How has this not been a thing? I mean, come on. I, they fight. They fight in the same weight class. Come on, UFC. I mean, I'm surprised. I'm surprised there's not more. Hey, 2020. I'm surprised there's not more. Like, I guess because it. I guess it's kind of been like people. You know, we've had, we've had all this weirdness. You know, we've had the Australia wildfires. We've had this business in Iran. So people's attention. We've had Rise of Skywalker being a dumpster fire. So people's attention has has been divided and, you know, so... You know, in all seriousness, on that same note, when was the last time anything MMA-related actually, like, broke through, you know, the, kind of like the, you know, the the malaise of pop culture? Like, it's just, it's not a corner of the world that gets a lot of attention. The McGregor, the McGregor bus attack thing had... That had a moment, as I recall. That did, but... I mean, even Connor punching that old guy in the face here in the States didn't make tremendous waves. I mean, I mean, I don't check, like, the mainstream news cycles enough, but I felt like... I feel like the bus attack kind of got quite a bit of attention, as yeah, I recall. The, the bus did. The, I mean, the bus attack did, but other than that, it's... Are, MMA just doesn't get a lot of... You can I say a they, lot of stupid stuff in MMA. You can say a lot of stupid stuff in combat sports. And just and no one probably, cares. And probably the MSG fight because Trump was there and all that. The yeah, UFC there. 244. Okay, there was that event. 
from an event perspective. Like there was a lot of attention on that one. Yeah. Um, but it, it's very few and far between that it happens. Um, so that so the I since I was last on, they they stripped Cejudo of the flyweight title, and they set up that Benavidez versus uh, Figueredo fight, and that's happening. What fight card is that happening? That is currently scheduled for. It's a fight night card, actually. It's uh, in February 29th uh, in Norfolk, Virginia. So did Henry Cejudo arguably save the flyweight division like he said he was going to? He prolonged it. I mean, look, and I say that only because, let's be real, if TJ Dillashaw wins that fight, I mean, regardless of him failing the drug test afterwards, if he just wins that fight, Mm -hmm. uh, they're done with it. But he made claims of, I'm going to defend both titles in both divisions, blah, blah, blah. He then says he gets, a lot of stuff. Sits out, sits out the rest of the year um, after he beat Marais. Um, and then, then not only that, like, I mean, he got injured. So I understand he had a knee injury, cost him the latter half of, 28, of 2019. Happens, sucks, but it happens. How winnable, like, uh, how winnable do you think that fight is for Figueredo? The Benavidez fight? Yeah. Not very. So that's uh, UFC. I, I mean, look, I, watch, rewatch uh, Figueredo versus Juicy A. Formiga. And then tell me that Joseph Benavidez isn't just going to do that, but better. We'll see. I mean, uh, Figueredo hit a lot of miles on him, and he's 35 now, so. He does, and Figueredo has a lot of power, especially for flyweight. It's not unwinnable, but I don't like his chances. Benavides, and yeah, Benavides did look good against Figueredo. Yeah, so, um, so that's the ESPN Plus card in February. Uh, UFC on ESPN Plus twenty-seven. Yes, that's fight. when that's when that will be determined, and I imagine the next title challenger will come from the preliminary card of one of the events prior there's just give a title shot to tim elliott oh for god's sake kai kara france can't even get on the main card of a ufc uh, in the ufc new zealand card he's from new zealand <laughs> exactly and he's fighting tyson nam on the prelims sometimes they book, sometimes they book no they book cab drivers on the main card just because they're from that country or that area uh, i right? mean we see look, that we do. Hang on. Just for the record, I'm talking about UFC on ESPN plus 26. This is their return to Auckland, New Zealand, main evented by Paul Felder and Dan Hooker. Great fight. On the main card, we have such luminaries as Ben Sassoli versus Marcos Rogerio de Lima or Kevin Aguilar and Zubaira Tahugov. Not a bad fight, but Kai Kara France, actual flyweight prospect, who trains out of city kickboxing, is buried in the midst of the prelim miasma against Tyson Nam because that's just what they do with flyweights. Um, you might have talked about this, but that we have the uh, UFC 248. We have Weile Zhang versus Joanna uh, for the title. Love great. that fight. That's a great fight. The co-main event to that card is great. Robert Whitaker and Jared Cannonier is a heck of a fight. Love that fight, too. That's a great fight. Um, it's a tough fight for both guys. I love it. Hananir has really, you know, turned his career around, and he's looking good. 
as a middleweight. So I mean, the guy went like life and death with Iwan Kutalaba a couple of years ago. Now he's running over Jack Hermanson. <laughs> like, I mean, which I did not expect. I, nobody expected I that, but he's done it. But I mean, damn. Um, I mean, if he gets th- if he beats Robert Whitaker, I think that's your next title challenger after. Uh, See, After the Romero silliness, I wouldn't have. Pre- I probably wouldn't have predicted Bailey Zhang to win the title. So I'm like, and I'm kind of leaning toward Yoana in this fight. But I mean, is that idiocy of me to do that? I don't know. No, because um, I kind of. Fa- it's weird because I kind of favor Yoana in that fight for some reason. I do too. It's a lot. I, I haven't done as thorough a tape study of Zhang as I need to ahead of that fight, which I will. But Zhang does a lot of um, she's she hits very hard. She has a, she has a lot of power. I mean, she stopped Jessica Andrade with strikes, which is a very she's difficult only, thing to do. Only lost once, and it was her the first fight of her MMA career, um, just uh, over six years ago. I think Zhang. I'm not saying Zhang can't win, but I think right. she's going to struggle with Joanna's length, with Joanna's ability right. to dictate range and pace. I think that's something she's going to have to overcome. I, I don't think favoring Joanna in that fight is wrong. Right, right. Based on everything I know right now. Okay, so here's uh, Jessica Penne facing a four-year suspension from USADA. Anything to say on that? She released a statement. Um, she's saying am- she's retiring because of, of this suspension. I imagine that her experience with USADA is far from unique. And this is the end. This is what happens when fighters allow their rights to be trampled on this way. This is Jessica Penne is not unique in this scenario. Uh, USADA did this. A very similar thing happened to Tom Lawler, a few other fighters. Uh, this is a, this is sad. This is, in all likelihood, undeserved. And the the number of fighters who are just going to roll over and take this continued authoritarianism is shocking. But that's what's going to happen. It really sucks for Jessica Penne. And USADA is a borderline morally bankrupt organization that tries to stand on ethical, unethical or moral high grounds based around faulty science and sound bites that came out of the eighties. I don't know what else to tell you. Wow. You saw to say she is going to contest her case despite what she said in her statement. So, I don't know if that's true, but that's what they're saying. Uh, her statement said that the only recourse left to her, which I believe is accurate at this point, would be an actual lawsuit against USADA. So she's ha- she's going to sue them to try and resolve it well, if she's able to far, get the money. I don't know how far she's going to get with that, but... It is the last recourse she has available to her at this point. Uh, okay. I'm trying to look at your year uh, your year end awards. Oh, um, fighter of the year. Well, let's see. I had a tie between Masvidal and Adesanya for 
I'm going with Adesanya. To me, Masvidal's not even number two. Number two is Usman for me. Fair enough. Um, for the record, I I have Usman lower because he part in part because he only fought twice in nineteen. I think it's, I mean, times. I agree with all the the guys on this for as far as the top. Adesanya, yeah, Adesanya. I got to give it to Adesanya. I'm of the opinion that the only that the that where you whether you where you rank like Masvidal relative to Adesanya is down to which part of the criteria you weight higher. If you weight well, level of opposition and right. like, title achievement, yeah, it's Adesanya. Masvidal totally. had an incredible year, uh, Robert, but he didn't win a title. No, he didn't. Adesanya became champion. Champion. Cejudo became a double champion. Volkanovski beat the greatest featherweight champion of all time. He beat the he, he beat both of the greatest featherweights of all time in nineteen. And Usman um, beat a very dominant welterweight champion. So I mean, look, I I like Masvidal. I enjoy his fights, but yeah, I can't give him uh, fighter of the year. Knockout of the year. I agree. The fly. It's 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 the flying knee on question. Yeah, it mossed all over. No. Uh, over Ben Askren. Nothing comes close. In there were some. Of, there were some really good knockouts. There last were, year. but but the single best. Nothing comes close. I think you would agree. Oh yeah, that's why it's there. Um, I debated more about spots two and three than I did about spot one. Let's see the twister. Not a great year for submissions, believe it or not. Um, but a twi- But you know, you can you could do far worse than picking a twister as your submission of the year. Yeah, it, it's just kind of sad that it gets it for novelty's sake more than a lot of other stuff. I, but there's, no, I like novelty's sake, you know. I do too, and I'm not opposed to it. It's just again, I, last year for submissions was a break, was a break weak year. year. Masvidal. Yes, I would agree with that. Yes. I I saw a few people like who made cases uh, on like other websites for people other than Masvidal, and I just rolled my eyes at them. You can't. I think you can, but I mean, I I don't think anybody anybody broke through. What was Masvidal doing before 2019? He didn't fight at all in 2018. Did he not? Really? No. Uh, Between an injury, I think he had like an injury, and then he did a reality TV show thing. Um. And before that, he lost to Stephen Thompson. Yeah, and his he, last fight before of 17. the Darren Till fight, he had back-to-back losses to... It was Maya and Thompson, I, right? Right. Um, but he didn't just, like, turn it around. He became one of the top draws in the UFC. He might be the most popular, if not the most popular, certainly one of the top three most popular fighters in the sport right now. Right. I mean... Outside, that, man, that man blew up. McGregor. Um, but like fight to me, fighter of the year, it's not just the impact you make. It's like the merit of your victories and Ben Askren and Nate Diaz are good victories, but like, you know, he didn't had, had Masvidal won an, a real title, an actual title against, you know, a, a legit champion. I would say, yes, give him fighter of the year, but he did not do that. So now I think he could fight for the title. I think he should fight Kamar Usman. I would have no problem with that. I would uh, say I still don't think that's going to happen. 
Now, if he were to fight Usman, I would favor Usman in that fight heavily. Quite yeah. Frankly. Ditto. Um, so, yeah, I think breakout of the year, uh, I would I would agree with uh, Masvidal. Now, let's see. Worst fight. Uh, I gave that just to Blagoy Ivanov. He had three different fights, all of which were in my top five, and I yeah. wasn't going to do three separate Blagoy Ivanov fights. So he wound up getting the top spot. Uh, there were some there were some bad fights Ron- last year. Bronson versus Theodora was an awful fight. It was awful. Um, there were some there were some stinkers last year. I mean, Juan Adams versus Arjun Buller was so bad. Buller got cut after the win. I seem to recall. <laughs> I know he's not in the UFC anymore. He might have had one other fight that he lost between now and then, but between those two incidents, incidents, but yeah, there was some rough stuff. Women's fighter of the year, Amanda, I would agree. Um, If I, if I separated that to male or female fighter of the year for, so female fighter of the year. Yeah, I'd probably go with Amanda. Because Amanda... Because the cyborg, the thing is, the cyborg win happened in 2018. What'd she do in 19? Now that I think about it, uh, she beat Holly Holm and oh, Durandame. Holm. Yeah, I, I remember the Durandame fight because it just kind of right. drug on, but I forgot the home fight. Right? Had she fought cyborg, twice? She won twice. I mean, had the cyborg fight happened in 2019, she would have been definitely in the conversation for fighter of the year, but. Just it just happened at the very. She was, she was in conversation for fighter of the year in in the year she beat Cyborg actually. Right. Uh, she very nearly took it, but Daniel Cormier had a yeah, career I year. I mean, I would agree with that because I mean, just all those went. I mean, she put some impressive wins together. Um, I think I ha- I think in eighteen I had her second behind Daniel Cormier. Look, I mean, now she at this point she's beaten Misha Tate, Shevchenko, Ronda Shevchenko twice. She's beaten everybody. Yeah. <laughs> like, there is nobody. She's beaten, like, every major women's UFC champion in, in history at this point, other than other than Ioana, which wouldn't, you know, who fights two weight classes below her, basically. I think if I were to if I were to do a female fighter of the year top five, it would probably be Nunes at one, uh, Shevchenko at two, Zhang at three, um, yeah, I'd agree with that. Crap, Hard the, to pick. I, I might actually go Joanna at four because she kind of rebounded yeah. from some right. rough fights. I agree. I agree. That's that's good. Um, no, sorry. Joanna would have to be five. I would probably put Jessica Andrade at four just because she won the title in, nine, in 19, even if she also, even though she went on to lose it. So you put Israel Adesanya versus Gaslam was your fight of the year, huh? Yes, it was. That's interesting. Honestly, I liked his fight with Whitaker better than that fight. I I don't know the, I liked that fight. That was a for as long as it lasted. That was a really good fight. I'm surprised you did not put Holloway versus Volkanovski on here. I wanted to. Um, it was a heartbreaking kind of last cut. Right. Um, if I was, it would have been like number six if I went all the way out to ten. Uh, I I really wanted to, but I rewatched some of those other fights and just kind of wound up. I'm not going to argue with you picking this with your picks here because I think these are all good fights, and I'd have to. 
There was, I mean, there were so many fights last year I liked, but to narrow it down to just one for fight of the year, it'd be tough for me. It's a hard, it's not an easy thing to do. Um, sometimes you're fortunate in that it comes down to like one or two very clear contenders. Uh, you know, for, again, for me in 19, you had uh, Gastelum Adesanya, you had Poirier Holloway. And those were kind of like my clear one and two, uh, the ones at the very top. Uh, Volkanovski Holloway was great, but it's also great in the way that I like fights, not necessarily great in the generalized way. Right, right. I mean, that's I, why I, that's you know, actually why well, I put, um, yeah, I, I put, I put Covington and Usman as an honorable mention as kind of like a hedge of my bet because I did not enjoy that fight really, but I'm so far in the minority on that, that I need to rewatch it and I haven't had a chance to yet. All right. Fair enough. So I, I, I'm not, I mean, look, I'm not at all afraid to have an unpopular opinion, but I'm going to pick Adesanya versus Whitaker as my fight of the year. It's a great fight. I like I, that fight a lot. And I think the only thing that keeps... I like fights, I like fights with, you know, dramatic, exciting finishes that, you know, if they can go a little bit and they, and have that dramatic finish, that's kind of, that's like, if I were to have an ideal fight, it would be that. You know, yeah, go, I, I agree. A couple hard rounds and then, and then we see the dramatic, exciting finish, maybe. And if they trade a couple rounds or whatever, good. But yeah, that yeah. So that's my pick for fight of the year: Adesanya versus Whitaker. I think the only thing that held me back from putting that one higher was how one-sided it was. Uh, yeah. I, I that fight on second viewing. Um, yeah, Adesanya is. Had, let's see, what did he do last year? Won the fight with Frankie. Fight with Frankie was a good fight. Yeah. See, uh, you see the Ortega fight happen. Yeah, that was not. That was eighteen. I love that. I love. You see, I love. I mean, that was one sided, but I love that fight too. You know, that was I think number four, number three on my list for two thousand eighteen. Right. So yeah, I I have no, but I have no shame in picking Adesanya versus Whitaker. I wouldn't feel bad about that, even though that might not be. Everyone's like fight of the year, but for me, it was is what I'm going to pick. So that's because that's that, that's just one that for whatever reason it just sticks out in my mind a lot. Just well, there's go. a lot of reasons for it to stick out in your mind. I mean, oh, Cejudo, oh, you know what? Cejudo versus Marais was a good fight. So that would be that Cejudo versus Marais would be in my top five as well. So that one you see. I remember that one, but that one happened earlier in the year, didn't it? Or in the first uh, half? March, I think. Let's see, when did it happen? June. So oh, okay. first half, first half of first half of the year, but it was over six months ago. So that would be in my if I were to hey, have. I have to. Through, I have to keep a list. Like I have. A, I have an actual word yeah, document that at the end of each event, I have. Okay. Yeah. Anything stick out for knockout of the year, fight of the year, <laughs> submission of the you year? You really do, because especially that's, if we're mainly going by the UFC, but yeah. That's actually so, why my uh, my 2018 list was so weird, because I I wound up losing about five months' worth of my now, saved nominations. Marais. Now, Cejudo versus Marais, Cejudo arguably lost those first two rounds, didn't he? 
Uh, the first round, yes. The second round, okay. not so much. But that's like sort of my ideal scenario for how a fight plays out. That that is a perfect example. So, um, all right. So yeah, I, overall, I think you made some good picks here. Uh, I tried. I mean, I, I I mean, even even the ones I disagree with, I see why you picked the ones that you did. So I'll yeah. Nothing, I would say nothing to be ashamed of here. Uh, well, apart from, I feel deep shame about almost everything I do for a variety well, of reasons. But thank you for saying that. Well, I mean, bring it down, Robert. Come on. All, like, all I can Ugh. see in anything I do is what Ugh. I would like to do better. Ugh. It's a thing I'm working on, but it, it is a thing I deal with. Here. Grunting and groaning. Ah, oh, come on! It's the worst time of the year for me. I everything from sorry, not to deviate too much, but pretty much everything from the start of November until February, the end of March, start of April, like that block of time is the worst time for me. Not every bad thing that has ever happened to me has happened over that period of time, but, like, of the worst things in my life that have ever happened to me, like, four of the five took place during that time period. But I like what you did and what you put together here. Well, thank you. Despite you trying to bring the mood down. I just always see what I would like to do better. And if I can harness that in a positive direction, it's a good thing. When I let it eat at my psyche, it's a negative thing. Okay. Just how I'm able to, how I'm able to put it to use on occasion. You're like that character on My Hero Academia who's always down on himself, Miss. Which really. one? Um. Oh, you mean Sun Eater? Mario, Mario's buddy. Yeah, yeah, Sun Eater. Yeah. yeah the, guy just, he, the guy was just crippled <laughs> you know, by anxiety. You can but... Name the character. I like. I can name a few characters from Hero Walk. Yeah. Thank you. You're welcome. Like I watch Hiroaka, but I'm not as I'm not as obsessed with it as I am with other things. Um, I'm not obsessed. I just ugh, I have a really good memory. It's a good. It's it. In the characters in that show are memorable. Uh, so are, uh, are they in the book Henry Cejudo versus Aldo? I hope not. We don't know what's going to happen at Bantamweight yet. <laughs> like there's not there's nothing official about the title picture. That troubles me. Yeah, yeah, it does. Um, they're just again. They're just, it feels like they're just waiting for an excuse to do something really stupid rather than go with a deserving contender. Uh, I mean, you've you've got like three viable contenders at bantamweight. Anderson is fighting Blahovic at light heavyweight. Uh, that is Corey Anderson, yeah. not Anderson Silva. Corey Anderson, right? It's a, it's not a, that's not a good card on paper, by the and way. I looked at it versus uh, Pejea in Rio Rancho <sighs> next month. Of all the things that make me hate this sport, like Diego Sanchez in a co-main event in 2020 is really high on that list. I mean, 
Okay. And Sean O'Malley uh, gets a six-month suspension from USADA. So. I believe that's simply their final adjudication of it because it's retroactive to his last issue. So. Right. And that, that happened over six months. So I, so I guess that would be – that makes him free and clear now. One would assume. Because if it happened in March, so there we are. So I think that's it for upcoming fights and whatnot. Um, Blahovic versus Anderson is a decent fight, I would say. Yeah. I, I can't get excited about a Corey Anderson. Well, it is, it is Corey Anderson, but Blahovic has looked good lately, so he deserves a big fight, don't you think? I mean, he had a couple of big fights. <laughs> like the fact that his fight with uh, Jacare was so unbelievably dull that he lost. Uh, he wound up losing like stock despite winning. But all right, he's coming off wins over Rockhold and Jacare now. So uh, again, he's got good wins. He's Blahovich is significantly underappreciated. The winner of that fight gets a title shot. Should probably should probably be the next contender. Yeah. Will John Jones fight the winner? Who knows? We'll see. Will John Jones get by Dominic Reyes? Um, it's, I look forward to breaking that fight down. I like again. I it would take a lot for me to pick against John, but Reyes offers some real problems to him. Look when you look when we those those ups, those uh, upsets and title losses happen when we when we least expect it. Yeah, I, happen my, with the with Ronda, Anderson, pretty much all of our favorite dominant champions. Yeah, I'm. I would be hesitant to dismiss Reyes in that fight. That's all I'm saying. I, I'm leaning towards John right now, but Reyes yeah. is a tall guy and a powerful kicker and a dynamic striker in his own right, and those things have troubled John Jones in the past. So. I I'm so looking I, forward to that fight. How big how big is Reyes actually? Oh, six three, six four, I think. So he's not. Uh, he's he's not gonna beat. He's six foot four. That could be a that could be an issue for Jones. Yeah, Jones is six four and a half, I think. Because he's not longer than Jones, but. Like that, Jones he's, has sometimes had issues with guys who, who who he can't bully around. He's actually at a non-trivial reach disadvantage. Uh, Reyes's wingspan is only seventy-seven inches. All right. um, Jones is like eighty-four and a half, eighty-six has, and a half. Jones has an, un, an unnaturally large reach. It, no, jo- John Jones is a is an oddly proportioned human being, and he makes it work for him. Um. But again, good. It's a good fight. I look. I'm good looking forward fight. to that one. I like that fight a lot. Too. I agree. And uh, but I think that's. I think that's all the main stuff for today. Uh, let me refresh Twitter one more time. See if anything crazy happened. No, it doesn't look like anything uh, new has come out. So yeah, I think we're good to go ahead and get into plugs. Okay, my next two movie reviews will be Doolittle and Bad Boys for Life. So I weep for you. Sure to be sure to be knockouts of the season. If you go to the movie section, you can check out my reviews of Star Wars: The Rise of Skywalker, The Witcher, The Mandalorian, Richard Jewell, Togo, 
uh, check out my interviews with the cast of The Witcher with um, stars Anya Shalatra and Freya Allen and also uh, Joey Beatty, the stars of the show. I'm very proud of that work, so I would appreciate it. If you have time, go over to Movies TV. Um, I believe uh, I recently uh, interviewed Lance Archer, who wrestled John Moxley at Wrestle Kingdom. Uh, check that out. On- hey, remember when he was in part of a tag team with Jimmy Rave and came down to the yeah. ring with a Guitar Hero controller? Right, yeah, with Rock Rock and Raven. We talked about Rock and Raven Infection, actually. Wasn't Christy Hemi their manager? I recall, I yeah, when they were the Rock and Raven Infection, I believe she was. Um, so you can check that out on oh, TNA. Yeah. yeah, we talked about TNA, so that was a good, it was one of my favorite interviews. So check that out on Apple Podcasts for the 411 Wrestling Interviews Podcast. Um, I've got another couple coming up. They're still taking shape so i'm hoping we're going to have a couple more in the coming weeks hopefully so be on uh the lookout for those and what else some other stuff in the pipeline that's still taking shape but that those are the more immediate things thank you guys all right as for myself you can find me this on a special wednesday edition of damn you hollywood i'll be getting together with fellow history nerd andrew graham and we'll be we will be reviewing sam mendez's 1917 which i believe won the golden globe for best drama last week or so uh this weekend okay uh yeah i forget what the golden globes were that's box office i mean so we'll be reviewing that. Unfortunately, Mark will not be able to join us. Uh, I joke with I know why he's not, and it's I'm not giving him any grief that I hear that I haven't given him in person, essentially. Mark finds a way to avoid uh, talking about either horror movies or really good movies or stuff that I like to talk about. But uh, no, no, bad boys for life, though. He will he will podcast from his deathbed for Michael Bay's crap. And make um, me go along with it. Does this mean you like 1917? I, I have not seen it yet. Wow. Did you like Ford versus Ferrari? I did. Okay. That seems like a movie you would probably prefer. I again, My taste is weird. I wish I had a better handle on I it. I like Ford versus Ferrari, but I thought, I thought the wife character was sort of shoehorned in. Like, I was fine with her being... But it felt like they tried really hard to make her very... Um, I don't know, strong-willed and all that. Hey, at least they didn't make her a screeching nag, which I was very grateful for. <laughs> I guess. But like that scene where she drives recklessly, I, that, that kind of felt phony to me. That was the only part I didn't really like about the movie. That's fair. I'm on, I'm, well, there, some, the, the, some parts of the third act also, but other than that... It's, I, it's I, not a perfect I, movie. Parasite, I think he would like. Just I'm so yeah. annoyed I didn't get to see that. It, it was only in it was only like in theaters around me for a week, and I couldn't find the time to go see it. And well, I'm when so it comes annoyed. To streaming, I'm. I think you are going to get a kick out of Parasite, and it annoys me to no end that they're going to do a Hollywood miniseries for Parasite, and I'm just why irks me. <laughs> why? Uh, because. Because the movie is fine on its own. It doesn't. No, no, no. Need... I mean, I mean, no, no. I mean, why are they making it? Because like, the movie because, is fine. Because the movie's getting it, it's getting 
it, it's pop because it's popular with intellectuals. So that means they have to make some sort of Hollywood equivalent to ruin it. Basically. Okay. Okay. Dear Hollywood. Spike Lee failed miserably adapting old boy. Exactly. Uh, stop. It's a great movie. I don't need an English adaptation of Old Boy. I have the original. I don't need an English adaptation of Pan's Labyrinth. And I know no one's talking about that, but the same principle applies. It's a beautiful... They're great movies. They don't need to be remade with American Hollywood-centric actors. Let them be great movies on their own. I, I think, uh, to me, a lot of the... I would say a lot of what makes that movie good is is, is its sort of cultural... origins you know if that makes any sense i'm sorry i'm you know i'm sorry i'm not but yeah that was a good movie and i think you would like i'm just saying that because i think you would like it so no i i need to look that up i didn't get a chance to see the lighthouse before it left a couple of my local theaters there's a few movies that i need to see that i know i need to catch up on but anyway uh damn you hollywood will be reviewing 1917 so i am looking forward to that i again it's been getting nothing but praise so I'm, I always reserve judgment until I see it. I'm not afraid to hold unpopular opinions about movies, but I'm ex- I am excited. Uh, this Saturday, of course, UFC 246. I will have coverage in the MMA Zone of 411 Mania, so stop by there. If you're so inclined, leave a comment. Always appreciated. Thank you very much for listening here. We will be back next week to review UFC 246, and we will have a preview for UFC on ESPN Plus 24. When Curtis Blades fights Rafael Dos, excuse me, fights Junior Dos Santos. Rafael Dos Santos is in the co-main event against Michael Chiesa. That's why I slipped up there. And oh, one other thing, um, I got shanghaied last night into doing some boxing coverage with Mark Radulich. We did alternate commentary for the main event of uh, for the fight between Jaime Mungia and Spike O'Sullivan. So you can listen to us talk about that. We make a few jokes. We talk about the fights and, you know, the usual stuff if you're into that. And please come back next week. Please, please interact with this material somehow. I don't I don't care what service you get us through. Uh, YouTube, iTunes, uh, Apple Podcasts, I think is what replaced that. Google Play, uh, whatever Android system, Transistor, Stitcher, whatever. I don't care. You all, they all have, all services have their merits. Just interact with the product a little bit, like, comment. If you're so inclined, please subscribe. It's always appreciated to get feedback. You know, people are listening. So thank you in advance for that. We'll be back next week. Until then, thank you all again. I hope to see you back and welcome to 2020. Please continue to be well, be safe and behave.